Chapter Twenty Four of A Sportsman's Sketches. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Tavarish. A Sportsman's Sketches by Ivan Turgenev, translated by Constance Garnett. The Rattling of Wheels. I've something to tell you observed Yermolai, coming into the hut to see me. I had just had dinner, and was lying down on a travelling bed to rest a little after a fairly successful but fatiguing day of grouse-shooting. It was somewhere about the 10th of July, and the heat was terrific. "'I've something to tell you. All our shots gone.' I jumped off the bed. "'All gone? How's that?' "'Why, we took pretty nearly thirty pounds with us from the village a whole bag that's so and a big bag it was enough for a fortnight but there's no knowing there must have been a hole coming it or something anyway there's no shot that's to say there's enough for ten charges left what are we to do now the very best places are before us we promised six Covies for tomorrow. Well, send me to Tula. It's not so far from here, only forty miles. I'll fly like the wind and bring forty pounds of shot if you say the word. But when would you go? Why, directly, why put it off? Only I say we shall have to hire horses. Why hire horses? Why not our own? We can't drive there with our own. The shaft horse has gone lame terribly since when's that well the other day the coachman took him to be shod so he was shod and the blacksmith i suppose was clumsy now he can't even step on the hoof it's a front leg he lifts it up like a dog well they've taken the shoe off i suppose at least no they've not but of course they ought to take it off and nails been driven right into the flesh i should say i ordered the coachman to be summoned it turned out that yermolai had spoken the truth the shaft horse really could not put its hoof to the ground i promptly gave orders for it to have the shoe taken off and to be stood on damp clay then do you wish me to hire horses to go to tula yermolai persisted do you suppose we can get horses in this wilderness i exclaimed with involuntary irritation the village in which we found ourselves was a desolate god-forsaken place all its inhabitants seemed to be poverty-stricken we had difficulty in discovering one hut moderately roomy and even that one had no chimney yes replied yermolai with his habitual equanimity what you said about this village is true enough but there used to be living in this very place one peasant a very clever fellow rich too he had nine horses he's dead and his eldest son manages it all now the man's a perfect fool but still he's not had time to waste his father's wealth yet we can get horses from him if you say the word i will fetch him his brothers i've heard say are smart chaps but still he's their head why so 
because he is the eldest of course the younger ones must obey here yermolai in reference to younger brothers as a class expressed himself with a vigor quite unsuitable for print i'll fetch him he's a simple fellow with him you can't fail to come to terms while yermolai went after his simple fellow the idea occurred to me that it might be better for me to drive into tula myself in the first place taught by experience i had no very great confidence in yermolai i had once sent him to the town for purchases he had promised to get through all my commissions in one day and was gone a whole week drank up all the money and came back on foot though he had set off in my racing droshky and secondly i had an acquaintance in tula a horse dealer i might buy a horse off him to take the place of the disabled shaft horse the thing is decided i thought i'll drive over myself i can sleep just as well on the road luckily the coach is comfortable i've brought him cried yermolai rushing into the hut a quarter of an hour later he was followed by a tall peasant in a white shirt blue breeches and bast shoes with white eyebrows and short-sighted eyes a wedge-shaped red beard a long swollen nose and a gaping mouth he certainly did look simple here your honor observed yermolai he has horses and he's willing so be surely i the peasant began hesitatingly in a rather hoarse voice shaking his thin wisps of hair and drumming with his fingers on the band of the cap he held in his hands uh, surely i what's your name i inquired the peasant looked down and seemed to think deeply my name yes what are you called why my name i'll be philofey well then friend philofey i hear you have horses bring a team of three here we'll put them in my coach it's a light one and you'll drive me in to tula there's a moon now at night it's light and it's cool for driving what sort of a road have you here uh, the road there's not a mess with the road to the main road it will be sixteen miles not more there's one little place a bit awkward but but not a mess else what sort of little place is it that's awkward well we'll have to cross the river by the ford but are you thinking of going to tula yourself inquired yermolai yes oh commented my faithful servant with a shake of his head oh oh he repeated then he spat on the floor and walked out of the room the expedition to tula obviously no longer presented any features of interest to him it had become for him a dull and unattractive business do you know the road well i said addressing philofey surely we know the road only so to say please your honor can't so on the sudden so to say it appeared that yermolai on engaging philofey had stated that he could be sure that fool as he was he'd be paid and nothing more philofey fool as he was in yermolai's words was not satisfied with this statement alone 
he demanded of me fifty roubles an exorbitant price i offered him ten a low price we fell to haggling filofey at first was stubborn then he began to come down but slowly yermolai entering for an instant began assuring me that fool he is fond of the words seemingly filofey remarked in a low voice that fool can't reckon money at all and reminded me how twenty years ago a posting tavern established by my mother at the crossing of two high roads came to complete grief from the fact that the old house serf who was put there to manage it positively did not understand reckoning money but valued sums simply by the number of coins in fact gave silver coins in change for copper though he would swear furiously all the time ah you philofey you're a regular philofey yermolai jeered at last and he went out slamming the door angrily philofey made him no reply as though admitting that to be called philofey was as a fact not very clever of him and that a man might fairly be reproached for such a name though really it was the village priest was to blame in the matter for not having done better by him at his christening at last we agreed however on the sum of twenty roubles he went off for the horses and an hour later brought five to me to choose from the horses turned out to be fairly good though their manes and tails were tangled and their bellies round and taut as drums with philofey came two of his brothers not in the least like him little black-eyed sharp-nosed fellows they certainly produced the impression of smart chaps they talked a great deal very fast clacked away as yermolai expressed it but obeyed the elder brother they dragged the coach out of the shed and were busy about it and the horses for an hour and a half first they let out the traces which were of cord then pulled them too tight again both brothers were very much set on harnessing the roan in the shafts because him can do best going downhill but philofey decided for the shaggy one so the shaggy one was put in the shafts accordingly they heaped the coach up with hay put the collar off the lame shaft horse under the seat in case we might want to fit it on to the horse to be bought at Tula. Philofey, who had managed to run home and come back in a long, white, loose, ancestral overcoat, a high sugar-loaf cap, and tarred boots, clambered triumphantly up onto the box. I took my seat looking at my watch. It was a quarter past ten. Yermolai did not even say good-bye to me. He was engaged in beating his valetka. Philofey tugged at the reins and shouted in a thin, thin voice, Hey, you little ones! His brothers skipped away on both sides, lashed the trace horses under the belly, and the coach started, turned out of the gates into the street. The shaggy one tried to turn off towards his own home, but Philofey brought him to reason with a few strokes of the whip, and behold, we were already out of the village and rolling along a fairly even road between close-growing bushes of thick hazels. It was a still, glorious night, the very nicest for driving. 
a breeze rustled now and then in the bushes set the twigs swinging and died away again in the sky could be seen motionless silvery clouds the moon stood high and threw a bright light on all around i stretched myself on the hay and was just beginning to doze but i remembered the awkward place and started up i say philofey is it far to the ford uh, to the ford it'll be near upon seven miles seven miles i mused we shan't get there for another hour i can have a nap meanwhile philofey do you know the road well i asked again surely how could i fail to know it it's not the first time i've driven he said something more but i had ceased to listen i was asleep i was awakened not as often happens by my own intention of waking in exactly an hour but by a sort of strange though faint lapping gurgling sound at my very ear i raised my head wonderful to relate i was lying in the coach as before but all round the coach half a foot not more from its edge a sheet of water lay shining in the moonlight broken up into tiny distinct quivering eddies i looked in front on the box with back bowed and head bent philofey was sitting like a statue and a little further on above the rippling water i saw the curved arch of the yoke and the horses heads and backs and everything as motionless as noiseless as though in some enchanted realm in a dream a dream of fairyland what does it mean i looked back from under the hood of the coach why we are in the middle of the river the bank was thirty paces from us philofey i cried what he answered what indeed upon my word where are we in the river i see we're in the river but like this we shall be drowned directly is this how you cross the ford eh why you're asleep philofey answer do i've made a little mistake observed my guide i've gone to one side a bit wrong but now we've got to wait a bit got to wait a bit whatever are we going to wait for well we must let the shaggy one look about him which way he turns his head that way we've got to go i raised myself on the hay the shaft horse's head stood quite motionless above the head one could only see in the bright moonlight one ear slightly twitching backwards and forwards why he's asleep too your shaggy one no responded philofey he's sniffing the water now and everything was still again there was only the faint gurgle of the water as before i sank into a state of torpor moonlight and night and the river and we in it what is that croaking noise i asked philofey that ducks in the reeds or else snakes all of a sudden the head of the shaft horse shook his ears pricked up he gave a snort began to move ho 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 
Filofey began suddenly bowling at the top of his voice. He set up and brandished the whip. The coach was at once tugged away from where it had stuck. It plunged forward, cleaving the waters of the river, and moved along, swaying and lurching from side to side. At first it seemed to me we were sinking, getting deeper. However, after two or three tugs and jolts, the expanse of water seemed suddenly lower. It got lower and lower, the coach seemed to grow up out of it, and now the wheels and the horses' tails could be seen, and now stirring with a mighty splashing of big drops, scattering showers of diamonds, no, not diamonds, sapphires in the dull brilliance of the moon the horses with a spirited pull altogether drew us on to the sandy bank and trotted along the road to the hillside their shining white legs flashing in rivalry what will philofey say now was the thought that glanced through my mind you see i was right or something of that sort but he said nothing so I, too, did not think it necessary to reproach him for carelessness, and lying down in the hay I tried again to go to sleep. But I could not go to sleep, not because I was not tired from hunting, and not because the exciting experience I had just been through had dispelled my sleepiness. It was that we were driving through such very beautiful country, there were liberal, wide-stretching, grassy riverside meadows with a multitude of small pools, little lakes, rivulets, creeks overgrown at the ends with branches and osiers, a regular Russian scene, such as Russians love, like the scenes amid which the heroes of our old legends rode out to shoot white swans and great ducks, the road we were driven along wound in a yellowish ribbon, the horses ran lightly, and I could not close my eyes. I was admiring, and it all floated by, softened into harmony under the kindly light of the moon. Philofey, he too, was touched by it. Those meadows are called Saint Yegors, he said, turning to me and beyond them come the grand dukes there are no other meadows like them in all russia ah it's lovely the shaft horse snorted and shook itself god bless you commented philofey gravely in an undertone how lovely he repeated with a sigh then he gave a long sort of grunt their mowing time is just upon us and think what hey they'll rake up there regular mountains and there are lots of fish in the creeks such bream he added in a sing-song voice in one word life's sweet one doesn't want to die he suddenly raised his hand hallo looky over the lake is it a crane standing there can it be fishing at night? Bless me, it's a branch, not a crane. Well, that was a mistake, but the moon is always so deceptive. 
so we drove on and on but now the end of the meadows had been reached little copses and ploughed fields came into view a little village flashed with two or three lights on one side it was only four miles now to the main road i fell asleep again i did not wake up of my own accord this time i was roused by the voice of philofey master hey master i sat up the coach was standing still on level ground in the very middle of the high road philofey who had turned round on the box so as to face me with wide open eyes i was positively surprised at them i couldn't have imagined he had such large eyes was whispering with mysterious significance a rattle a rattle of wheels what do you say i say there is a rattling bend down and listen do you hear it i put my head out of the coach held my breath and did catch somewhere in the distance far behind us a faint broken sound as of wheels rolling do you hear it repeated philofey well yes i answered some vehicle is coming oh you don't hear shoo the tambourines and whistling too do you hear take off your cap you will hear better i didn't take off my cap but i listened well yes perhaps but what of it philofey turned round facing the horses it's a cart coming lightly iron-rimmed wheels he observed and he took up the reins it's wicked folks coming master hereabouts you know near tula they play a good many tricks what nonsense what makes you suppose it's sure to be wicked people i speak the truth with tambourines and in an empty cart who should it be well is it much further to tula there's twelve miles further to go and not a habitation here well then get on quicker it's no good lingering philofey brandished the whip and the coach rolled on again though i did not put much faith in philofey i could not go to sleep what if it really is so a disagreeable sensation began to stir in me i sat up in the coach till then i had lain down and began looking in all directions while i had been asleep a slight fog had come over not the earth but the sky it stood high the moon hung in a whitish patch in it as though in smoke everything had grown dim and blended together though it was clearer near the ground around us flat dreary country fields nothing but fields here and there bushes and ravines and again fields mostly fallow with scanty dusty grass a wilderness death-like if only a quail had called we drove on for half an hour philofey kept constantly cracking his whip and clicking with his lips but neither he nor i uttered a word so we mounted the hillside philofey pulled up the horses and promptly said again it's a rattle of wheels master yes it is 
I poked my head out of the coach again, but I might have stayed under the cover of the hood so distinctly, though still from a distance, the sound reached me of cartwheels, men whistling, the jingling of tambourines, and even the thud of horses' hoofs. I even fancied I could hear singing and laughter. The wind, it is true, was blowing from there, but there was no doubt that the unknown travellers were a good mile, perhaps two, nearer us. Philofey and I looked at one another. He only gave his hat a tweak forward from behind, and at once, bending over the reins, fell to whipping up the horses. They set off at a gallop, but they could not gallop for long, and fell back into a trot again. Philofey continued to whip them. We must get away. I can't account for the fact that, though I had not at first shared Philofey's apprehensions, about this time I suddenly gained the conviction that we really were being followed by highwaymen. I had heard nothing new. The same tambourines, the same rattle of a cart, without a load, the same intermittent whistling, the same confused uproar. But now I had no doubt Philofey could not have made a mistake. And now twenty minutes more had gone by. During the last of these twenty minutes, even through the clatter and rumble of our own carriage, we could hear another clatter and another rumbling. Stop, Philofey. I said, it's no use, the end's the same. Philofey uttered a feigned-hearted woo. The horses instantaneously stopped as though delighted at the chance of resting. Mercy upon us, the tambourines were simply booming away just behind our backs. The cart was rattling and creaking, the men were whistling, shouting and singing, the horses were snorting and thumping on the ground with their hooves. They had overtaken us. Bad luck, Philofey commented in an emphatic undertone, and, clicking to the horses irresolutely, he began to urge them on again. But at that very instant there was a sort of sudden Russian whiz, and a very big wide cart, harnessed with three lean horses, cut sharply at a rush up to us, galloped in front, and at once fell into a walking pace, blocking up the road. A regular brigand's trick, murmured Philofey. I must own I felt a cold chill at my heart. I fell to staring before me with strained attention in the half-darkness of the misty moonlight. In the cart in front of us were, half-lying, half-sitting, six men in shirts and in unbuttoned rough overcoats. Two of them had no caps on. Huge feet and boots were swinging and hanging over the cart-rail, arms were rising and falling helter-skelter, parties were jolting backwards and forwards. It was quite clear, a drunken party. Some were bawling at random, one was whistling very correctly and shrilly, another was swearing. On the driver's seat sat a sort of giant in a cape driving. They went at a walking pace, as though paying no attention to us. What was to be done? We followed them also at a walking pace. We could do nothing else. For a quarter of a mile we moved along in this manner. 
the suspense was torturing to protect to defend ourselves was out of the question there were six of them and i hadn't even a stick should we turn back but they would catch us up directly i remembered the line of zhukovsky in a passage where he speaks of the murder of field marshal kamensky the scoundrel highwayman's vile axe or else strangling with filthy cord flung into a ditch there to choke and struggle like a hare in a trap ah oh, it was horrid and they as before went on at a walking pace taking no notice of us Filafé, i whispered just try keep more to the right see if you can get by Filafé tried kept to the right but they promptly kept to the right too it was impossible to get by Filafé made another effort he kept to the left but there again they did not let him pass the cart they even laughed aloud that meant that they wouldn't let us pass then they are a bad lot Filafé whispered to me over his shoulder but what are they waiting for i inquired also in a whisper to reach the bridge over there in front in the hollow above the stream they'll do for us there that's always their way by bridges it's a clear case for us master he added with a sigh they'll hardly let us go alive for the great thing for them is to keep it all dark i am sorry for one thing master my horses are lost and my brothers won't get them i should have been surprised at the time that Filafay could still trouble about his horses at such a moment but i must confess i had no thoughts for him will they really kill me i kept repeating mentally why should they i'll give them everything i have and the bridge was getting nearer and nearer it could be more and more clearly seen suddenly a sharp whoop was heard the cart before us as it were flew ahead dashed along and reaching the bridge at once stopped stock still a little on one side of the road my heart fairly sank like lead ah brother Filafé, i said we are going to our death forgive me for bringing you to ruin as though it were your fault master there's no escaping one's fate come shaggy my trusty little horse Filafé addressed the shaft horse step on brother do your last bit of service it's all the same and he urged his horses into a trot we began to get near the bridge near that motionless menacing cart in it everything was silent as though on purpose not a single halloo it was the stillness of the pike or the hawk of every beast of prey as its victim approaches and now we were level with the cart suddenly the giant in the cape sprang out of the cart and came straight towards us he said nothing to Filafé, but the latter of his own accord tugged at the reins the coach stopped the giant laid both arms on the carriage door and bending forward his shaggy head with a grin he uttered the following speech in a soft even voice with the accent of a factory hand 
honoured sir we are coming from an honest feast from a wedding we've been marrying one of our fine fellows that is we've put him to bed we're all young lads reckless chaps there's been a good deal of drinking and nothing to sober us so wouldn't your honour be so good as to favour us the least little just for a dram of brandy for our mate uh, we'd drink to your health and remember your worship but if you won't be gracious to us well we beg you not to be angry what's the meaning of this i thought a joke a jeer the giant continued to stand with bent head at that very instant the moon emerged from the fog and lighted up his face there was a grin on the face in the eyes and on the lips but there was nothing threatening to be seen in it only it seemed as it were all on the alert and the teeth were so white and large i shall be pleased take this i said hurriedly and pulling my purse out of my pocket i took out two silver roubles at that time silver was still circulating in russia here if that's enough much obliged bawled the giant in military fashion and his fat fingers in a flash snatched from me not the whole purse but only the two roubles much obliged he shook his hair back and ran up to the cart lads he shouted the gentleman makes us a present of two silver roubles they all began as it were gabbling at once the giant rolled up on to the driver's seat good luck to you master and that was the last we saw of them the horses dashed on the cart rumbled up the hill once more it stood out on the dark line separating the earth from the sky went down and vanished and now the rattle of the wheels the shouts and tambourines could not be heard there was a death-like silence Philafe and i could not recover ourselves all at once ah you're a merry fellow he commented at last and taking off his hat he began crossing himself fond of a joke on my word he added and he turned to me beaming all over but he must be a capital fellow on my word now 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 little ones look alive you're safe we're all safe it was he who wouldn't let us get by it was he who drove the horses what a chap for a joke now now get on in god's name i did not speak but i felt happy too we are safe i repeated to myself and laid down on the hay we've got off cheap i even felt rather ashamed that i had remembered that line of zhukovsky's suddenly an idea occurred to me Philafay, what is it are you married yes and have you children yes how was it you didn't think of them you were sorry for your horses weren't you sorry for your wife and children why be sorry for them they weren't going to fall into the hands of thieves you know but i kept them in my mind all the while and i do now surely philafay paused maybe 
it was for their sake almighty god had mercy on us but if they weren't highwaymen how can we tell can one creep into the soul of another another soul we know is a dark place but with the thought of god in the heart things are always better oh no i'd my family all the time gee gee up little ones in god's name it was already almost daylight we began to drive into tula i was lying dreamy and half asleep master philofey said to me suddenly look there they're stopping at the tavern their cart i raised my head there they were and their cart and horses in the doorway of the drinking-house there suddenly appeared our friend the giant in the cape sir he shouted waving his cap we're drinking your health hey coachman he added wagging his head at philofey you were a bit scared i shouldn't wonder hey a merry fellow observed philofey when we had driven nearly fifty yards from the tavern we got into tula at last i bought shot and while i was about it tea and spirits and even got a horse from the horse dealer at midday we set off home again as we drove by the place uh, where we first heard the rattle of the cart behind us philofey who having had something to drink at tula turned out to be very talkative he even began telling me fairy tales as he passed the place suddenly burst out laughing do you remember master how i kept saying to you a rattle a rattle of wheels i said he waved his hand several times this expression struck him as most amusing the same evening we got back to his village i related the adventure that had befallen us to yermolai being sober he expressed no sympathy he only gave a grunt whether of approval or reproach i imagine he did not know himself but two days later he informed me with great satisfaction that the very night philofey and i had been driving to tula and on the very road a merchant had been robbed and murdered i did not at first put much faith in it but later on i was obliged to believe it it was confirmed by the police captain who came galloping over in consequence was not that perhaps the wedding our brave spirits were returning from wasn't that the fine fellow they had put to bed in the words of the jocose giant i stayed five days longer in philofey's village whenever i met him i always said to him a rattle of wheels eh a merry fellow he always answers and bursts out laughing end of the rattling of wheels